Hello and welcome to the British English podcast, the show that helps you learn British culture and British English, especially if you're a non-native, learning how to, you know, use this wonderful language of ours. And this is episode two, season two, meaning it is an academy lesson. And that includes the exclusive explainer videos for all of the language that we use in this episode. I go deep into the analysis of all of them with full examples in context for you to feel really confident when applying them in your own life. We do quizzes, we do writing assignments, we do pronunciation practice. We do it all at the Academy. So if you want to join in, head over to the British English Podcast.com. And uh, today I've got an interesting um, guest on the show. I have a guy who is currently living in Japan, but he is a Brit. He is a Brit abroad and he goes by the name of Chris and he has a fantastic channel on YouTube and a podcast called Abroad in Japan. Hello, Chris. How are you doing? Good morning, Charlie. I'm very good here from snowy North Japan. It's very cold at the moment. Um, I feel like I'm in a postcard, a picture postcard for some sort of Christmas setting. Um, it's rather beautiful, but very, very cold. Very different, I imagine, to uh, to where you are as well. Wow. Yeah, that is really different. I'm on the southern hemisphere at the moment in Sydney. And uh, yeah, it's the peak of the summer. We've got a heat wave coming about 40 degrees around the corner. Um, so you've got Good snow. Night. And um, mm. that that immediately makes me think, I know it's very boring to ask this, but a lot of my students talk about it. Um, do you get heating in, in Japan? Is it normal to have good heating like in Britain? We don't have kind of central heating here. I'm not sure why that is. Um, we've got like a, I've got like an air conditioning unit and uh, all through summer it's on air conditioning mode. And then sometime around like late October, you sort of switch it over to heating mode because the temperature sort of turns in the space of a day from hot and humid to freezing cold and snowy. So, no, it's just an air conditioning unit. Um, and you might be able to hear in the background in my room, I've got a little fan heater going as well. So right. no radiators, no central heating. Um, houses here are not overly well insulated. So right. it's a strange okay. thing. Yeah. Oh, Futuristic yeah, yeah. country, bad heating. This episode comes with a free worksheet over on the website, thebritishenglishpodcast.com. So grab that and you can listen along whilst using it. Well, I've heard, uh, yeah, I've heard about this um, futuristic, like, expectation of the country. Mm. But my Japanese students, they, they say it's not actually completely true nowadays. Can you enlighten me on, on whether that's true or not? I think Japan is very good at hardware stuff. So Japan was always ahead with electronics, right? Um, and things that uh, require mechanical components, like a bullet train. The bullet train uh, came out here in the late 1960s, I believe, while we only have one in the UK that came out about 10 years ago. Um, but uh, while the, yeah, I mean, I find with Japan, there is a lot of old technology, like fax machines. We still have fax machines here. People really? use them. I don't remember what they were. I think when I was being raised in the 90s, even then they were sort of phased out and they're a bit outdated. But uh, no, they still use fax machines here. Uh, smartphones were took a long time to become smart. Um, like, yeah, it's a very strange thing. I don't know why it is, but uh, I think 
Japan has a fascination for handmade things. They like mechanical sort of engineering and they like that aspect of things. But when it comes to software, they're very much behind. So um, oh, right. the sort of digitization of things took mm-hmm. a long time to finally take off in Japan. Um, only in the last few years has the country sort of got to the same point that countries like South Korea or even the UK have been at for, uh, for quite a while. Okay. Um, and also because uh, they have such an extensive writing system of 2,200 characters. Uh, people like to do a lot of handwriting here so they can remember it, right? Uh, so I think that's been another reason there's been a slow transition. The country has so rooted in these ways that uh, it's been difficult to move forward to the era or sort of the internet digital age uh, and digitization. But uh, it's getting there. It's that's, getting there. Although the fax machines are still here, sadly. <laughs> don't know how to use them. <laughs> that's funny that's that is fascinating though and that makes sense and, and aligns with what my students have been saying how it's the software mm. that's outdated or not updated and uh the the hardware yeah that came out a long time ago uh, ahead of the game um so let's um let's just um let people know so you um are british where were you where were you born and, and bred so i'm from kent which is just outside of london about 45 minutes uh, and it's a little town called Maidstone. Um, I don't really know what Maidstone has, or what the history is. I think it's the first place they invented chlorinated tap water, but I need to check that. Um, but uh, so I've yeah, I've been raised sort of in the countryside of uh, of, of the UK, and uh, yeah, with it's very a nice cleanly place, but water, not a whole lot. <laughs> with very clean water, very clean water indeed, Charlie. <laughs> but uh, yeah, not a lot else. That's that's pretty Good. much it. No cholera for you. No cholera for me. Just good, easy access to London in 45 minutes and chlorinated water. What more could you want? <laughs> Nothing more, really. So you've, you've obviously experienced the UK and then you've gone over to um, another island nation. Um, mm. And I think bec- I, I got you on here for two reasons. Uh, no, three, actually. Uh, three. One, because, yeah. One, because um, I saw that the most uh, listens come from Japan for this podcast, which is very interesting. Um, oh, wow. Two, because we met before and uh, we enjoyed making content together with um, Natsuki. That was hilarious. Mm. And then yes, three, because you are in the situation where you can compare. Because when I ask these kind of questions to British people who have lived in the UK, it's hard for them to know any different and therefore they don't really know what to say. But given your situation, you might be able to be like, oh, well, that is different. And, and these guys have this, whereas we have that, if that makes sense. Yeah, sounds good to me. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, it's, it's crazy to think it's been... Uh, three or four years since uh, we made those videos together. Uh, for those listeners that don't know, Charlie appeared on my YouTube channel and actually taught my good friend Natsuki how to speak English in preparation for his trip, his first ever trip to Europe. And uh, he did a great job, Charlie, with the, <laughs> with the hand you were dealt. Uh, <laughs> Natsuki, he knows a lot of English words, but his grammar wasn't so great. So it was, it was really great uh, you were able to teach him and it really did prepare him for his trip to London and to Croydon. So thank you for that. <laughs> thank Croydon. you very much. Yeah, I remember he he enjoyed learning uh, the phrase the dog's bollocks. Did he use he it? He did. He still uses it today. He remembered that. It's, it's impressive stuff. He loves it. Fantastic. Every sentence, he sticks it in somewhere and rather inconveniently. <laughs> uh, <but laughs> yeah, nice. It worked. Yeah. So going back to what you were talking about, um, would you say that the UK is quite 
um, far ahead with their software and, and their development of technology? I think so. I, I do think the UK is further ahead when it comes to in the internet and uh, the digital age. Um, I think if you go on a Japanese website, even now, it looks like somebody designed the website in 1994. Um, it's really quite bad and I have a lot of problems. And most people admit, including my Japanese friends, that uh, Japanese websites are not good, the vast majority. Um, so we lead on that front. But um, when it comes to certain types of technology, yeah, Japan is ahead, like robots, for example, robot technology, robotics, um, transport. I think I still find it incredible that, uh, that Japan's had bullet trains uh, since the late 60s and there's never been a, fa- a single fatality as a result wow. of an accident on a bullet train to this day, uh, which is phenomenal. Is. So, yeah, Japan is ahead in a lot of ways. It's It's a difficult one, really. It's not a clear-cut thing, but I think... A lot of people are impressed and surprised when they find it's not this magical wonderland, this technological wonderland that it's often made out to be. Yeah, right, okay. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, obviously a lot more complicated than saying software and hardware, but um, yeah, interesting. So when you went to Japan, what year did you go out there? I arrived here in August 2012 to, uh, to be an English teacher. 2012, okay. You started the journey like me. Nice. Um, so about eight, nine years ago, uh, do you remember any particular things that really shocked you in comparison to the UK or that, that still, you know, are significantly different in your day to day experience? Um, I think just communication was, was very different. Like in Japan, people are more reserved in their opinions. They're, uh, far more indirect. They won't just state their opinion. Um, and they're very, very polite uh, at the risk of causing confusion. Like I remember I arrived at the local airport in North Japan where I was going to start teaching English. And I sort of walked through the gate and there were three English teachers from my future school that were standing there to meet me. And right. they sort of said, hello, how was your trip? And I remember just sort of saying, oh, it was a great trip. I was really long flight, really tired, really hard. I just sort of slurred my words and spoke in my kind of native Kent accent really quickly. And they all sort of nodded along. And I just remember, I remember we then went to a cafe and I kept talking and nobody said anything. And they just sort of kept nodding along as I spoke for 20 minutes about my journey to Japan and how hot I was because it was summer and it was humid and I was jet lagged. Uh, and then after 20 minutes of silence on their part, one of them just sort of said, could you speak slower? We don't know what you're saying. And uh, I sort of set the tone for the next three years of teaching that I realised I had to speak a bit slower and enunciate my words more clearly and not sort of be myself and uh, speak the same sort of colloquial way that I, that I was accustomed to. So that was one thing. Um, wow. But like, I, f- I feel like if that was the UK, right off the bat, they might have just said, sorry, can you speak a bit slower? I can't hear everything you're saying. But yes. Because it's Japan, they sort of were very polite and they let me just talk for 20 minutes and they kept nodding and pretending like they, uh, like they knew what I was saying when they clearly didn't. Yeah. Um, so being polite and trying to save face okay. that was one aspect of it and yeah, yeah. that's that is interesting because i've got students from all different um cultures and like the russians the germans and even sometimes the the brazilians they they find us reserved and then i guess yes. japan is on the even further down the spectrum of of reserved mm, or being mm. polite um so yeah you you feel like 
the UK is is our norm and then you got to Japan and it was just shockingly polite right absolutely I think yeah Japan from my experience I did study uh, intercultural sort of discourse at university and I found then that Japan was the most polite culture in the world if you measure by sort of indirectness um, but it, yeah it can be a problem and it can be annoying if people if you're making a mistake or doing something wrong sometimes they won't tell you until it's too late and uh, <laughs> You have those sort of situations, but uh, for the most part, it's nice. I've lived here eight years, and I haven't seen a single fight uh, or altercation. I don't uh-huh. think I've ever really seen an argument in public, just because people here are far more, are far more polite and uh, reasonable, and uh, they don't lose their temper. Uh, and that's something that I think uh, we, we could do with a lot more in the West, to be honest. Yeah. Calm, collective mindset. Yeah. Remember. That this episode, just like every single other episode on this show, comes with a free worksheet where you get to see some of the best native expressions that come up in this very episode, along with definitions made for you, a non-native learner. I've even designed it so that you can play the podcast episode on the same page as the free worksheet. It's super user-friendly, so head over to thebritishenglishpodcast.com right now and check out the free podcast worksheets or simply click on the link that says free podcast worksheets in the show notes of this episode. That, um, so if a, a Japanese person was to go to the UK, and maybe Kent, mm. and they went out for a night, uh, would they experience any altercations any um i don't think so i think i even my most outspoken friend who is natsuki who you've met um (laughs) he sees himself as a bit of a rebel in japan but uh by the standards of the uk he's still very nice uh and i'm sure he'd be very great and polite and uh you know so i think i think a japanese person going to the uk would have a good time and i think british people would uh would enjoy talking to them because there isn't that many uh, Japanese people living in the UK. I certainly remember I never, I think I've only met Japanese folks mainly in London when I lived back in the UK. So they're a rarity, but uh, we certainly do have a fascination with the country and we fascination with the people. So I think it would go very well if you yeah. go to Japan, if you go to the UK, sorry. Yeah. Uh, so that, yeah, that's a, a very good point. So you have built um, a, a company around the idea of, Westerners being interested in the culture of Japan. So for Japan, uh, Japanese mm. people to go to the UK, perhaps, um, yeah, that, that kind of shows that we are really interested in them, right? Absolutely, yeah, I think so. And um, you know, I, I think every time I speak to a person in the UK and I sort of say, oh, I live in Japan or I, I do videos in Japan, they always say, oh, I'd love to go there. I really want to go to Japan. I want to go, but... I think we never do just because Japan feels like a very far away place. Mm. Uh, if you look on a map, it's on the other side of the world and it takes a lot of time and money to get there. And it's not going to be much of a holiday, is it? Uh, and I think Japanese people might feel the same. Most people in Japan, when they want to go on holiday, they just go to a, somewhere in the country because it's so stressful to travel to the other side of the world and where you can't speak the language. So it's the same with the UK. Everyone seems to have a fascination with Japan. Everybody wants to go, but they don't. Mm. Um, so one thing I've tried to do over the years by doing YouTube is try and encourage people to, to do it. Get on the plane and go for it because it will be an incredible, life-changing, potentially life-changing experience that uh, you'll deeply treasure. And I say that to Japanese friends as well, that uh, they can have a lot of fun in the UK. Oh, fantastic message. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Yeah, yeah, really nice. 
And have you had many friends come over to Japan from the UK? I have, yeah. I've had a fair few, and I sort of take them round. There's certain places in Japan that uh, you always take people. Tokyo, Kyoto, uh, Hiroshima. Often they call it the golden route because it's so popular with tourists. Because they okay. say if you come to Japan, you should always see Tokyo, the sort of bustling heart of Japan, and then Kyoto, the more traditional uh, soul of Japan. And then, uh, so you kind of have those sort of places you always take people, and uh, yeah, they love it. I've never had a friend come to Japan who didn't really enjoy it and didn't want to come back. So I think that's very positive. Yeah. Um, I think that's positive. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I asked you about the, the culture shocks when you got there or, or that you experience now and, and you were mentioning them and then I distracted you with something else. Did you, did you have another <laughs> one that you wanted to talk about? I think there is a really interesting part of the cult, culture uh, called chimoku, which means silence. And what this took me a while to, to grasp, but the first day I arrived at my school, um, and I, I was very jet-lagged, very tired, very bloody dehydrated at the time, <laughs> given I'd flown from London to Tokyo, Tokyo to Yamagata, this northern prefecture in Japan. And then I was kind of ushered into a room with the with the school principal and had a, a meeting. And we sort of right. sat down and uh, had, a, had a short conversation. He was like, where are you from? And where are you from in the UK? And why did you come to Japan? And uh, we had some tea. And then he just sort of sat in silence for about... Well, it must have been about 60 seconds uh, as I sort of sat there awkwardly sipping my tea, not quite knowing what was going on. And uh, I, I thought I'd done something wrong. I thought maybe I'd offended him. Maybe my manners were bad uh, in this really polite culture that I still yet to understand. Um, and then he sort of said, well, it's been great talking. Good luck. And uh, we'll, I'm sure we'll speak to each other in the coming days. And I left the room. And I later transpired that uh, it's just a part of the culture that uh, – we don't have in the UK this concept of sitting in silence, chimoku. Uh, I think to be in silence is incredibly awkward, right, in the West. Mm, if you sit yeah. in a room with someone uh, in that sort of scenario you've just met and you sit in silence, it's deeply uncomfortable. You think you've done something wrong. But uh, it is a big part of Japanese culture where uh, a sort of collectivist society where people don't say their opinions outright, you sort of often have that. And when I used to go into meetings with the Department of English and all the 11 English teachers I worked with would sit at a big table, someone would say something, they would all sit in silence for like 20 seconds and then someone else would speak and then uh, there'd be another 15, 20 seconds, which feels like an eternity, right, in that sort of environment. But it's just the way people reach a consensus. Uh, Rather than just throw your opinions out there, people like to gradually reach a consensus so they don't step out of line and, and kind of... Get step away from the group, the group think, and uh, mm. really fascinating part of the culture. But uh, even now, I still feel a little bit awkward when it happens, uh, even yeah. though it, I've kind of lived here a long time and encountered chimoku and silence uh, quite a lot over the years. Uh, is... Something I've failed to embrace and do myself. <laughs> Have you ever tried to meditate or do mindfulness kind of things before? I did, yeah. I mean, I did go to a, a, a Buddhist temple, uh, do Zen Buddhist training did some zazen which is where you sort of sit in silence and uh, the buddhist monk chants and then hits you over the head with a stick i think that's <laughs> sounds a bit more vi- it's, it's not that violent he does sort of come behind you and tap you on the shoulder rather firmly 
Um, that's the closest I've come to that. That was kind of fun sitting in the temple doing that, but uh, yeah. no, okay. it's not something people do here often. <laughs> but um, Buddhist. I, I quite like doing that and I forget to do it and I should do it more, but that it, it kind of sounds like they're doing that in, in their daily habit of um, communicating. Yes. They're kind of being mindful with everything and, and they're not just, you know, doing verbal diarrhea until they leave each mm, other. They're mm. thinking about it properly and then they're making their move or they're deciding what to say. That's, that's a great way to do a meeting. Everyone should do that. It is. <laughs> it is. And it has pros and cons. The pros are people reach a consensus um, and people have their views heard and uh, the consensus is reached a bit more organically. Whereas in the UK, we'd sort of just shout, this is what I think and this is why we should do it. At the same time, I do think we get things done quicker sometimes as a result in the West. Um, you know, we get things done quicker and people are more willing to debate. Um, for example, debates weren't really a thing uh, mm-hmm. in Japan and uh, they've only been introduced into schools in the last 20 30 years, I think. I remember I used to run debates and uh, it was a very foreign concept, this concept of speaking out your mind and being a bit blunt and uh, mm-hmm. pushing back against people. Uh, only in recent years has that sort of kicked off in Japan, I feel. Huh. Yeah, again, amazing. Yeah, there, there is such a different culture um, for them. Mm. It, it makes so much sense why your channel is, you have so much content to do because they are two worlds apart. Absolutely, yeah. There's always something new to learn, right? There's always a new uh, aspect of the culture to dig into and to try and understand why it's like that. And I find that absolutely fascinating. Yeah. I did write um, some questions down for you. And uh, I thought Mm. that uh, it might be nice to ask you, if you were to make a little um, a child country of (laughs) of Japan and the UK getting together, um, what do you think uh, would be part of it and you know, what would you say would be good mm. to take from this? This is a child that is um, wanted. It's it's a loved child and uh, <laughs> it's not an accident. Um, so we want all the good things. We don't want all the, the un- right. unwanted DNA in there. <laughs> Any thoughts? <laughs> unwanted DNA. Um, I uh, That's a really good question. So sort of the best bits of Japanese culture and the best bits of British culture, right? Yeah. Combined into one super child. <laughs> so we go on to talk about this super child of Japan and the UK in part two of the show, which is available on the website, the British English Podcast. where you can also enjoy part one, two and three with the transcripts, the extended glossaries and flashcards as a premium podcast member, which I would like to add is incredibly affordable. And as I mentioned, this is a seasonal episode, meaning it is part of the Academy, uh, where I have created exclusive explainer videos and audios diving deep into the usage of the native expressions being used between me and Chris. And then I've also made interactive quizzes, a pronunciation practice lesson of all the hard to say vocabulary in the show and many more things that I will leave for you to find out about if you are interested. There's even a complimentary free sample lesson of this academy for you to try. You'll get uh, 60 expressions for free in that sample and then you can see if it's something you think would benefit your English studies in the long term. But if you're not interested in that right now, then grab the free worksheet that includes a handful of lovely expressions from this part of the episode over on the British English Podcast. 
com. Anyway, um, that that is amazing. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciated it. I hope you enjoyed uh, telling the world about your pearls of wisdom of um, comparison of Japanese culture and British culture. It was fascinating to listen to. So yeah, thank you very much, Chris. It's been good to uh, to chat again, Charlie. I hope we uh, we chat again before three years next time. <laughs> Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you. And so uh, for listeners who haven't heard of you or uh, your content, where could they go to to get more of you? Uh, Head over to YouTube and look up Abroad in Japan. Um, It's it's a channel with about 2 million subscribers. Been going for eight years now. And uh, if you want to learn about any aspect of Japanese culture, odds are we've uh, we've covered it in a video at some point. And uh, be sure to go back and check out the video with Charlie in teaching English to my good friend Natsuki. It's utterly hilarious. And I think the video was called uh, Japanese Man Prepares to Go to Europe. Um, and it was about three or four years ago. But unmissable content, unmissable video. <laughs> Brilliant. All right. Thank you so much, Chris. Uh, thank you guys for listening. And uh, I'll see you next week on the British English Podcast.